I'm sure many of you have heard the saying that home is where the heart is. Has, any, has anybody heard that saying? Okay, home is where the heart is. We move away, maybe go off to university, maybe join the military, or maybe our jobs call us to a different part of the country. So we leave our families and we face uncertainties. We experience heartache sometimes and just kind of a homesickness. And we have that feeling of, I just want to be home. We are told home is where the heart is. So no matter where we are physically, we can be assured that we can find comfort and peace if we think back to where we came from or if we think about the place that we long to be. Our comfort, our home is where and with whom we love and desire the most. I want to change that saying for us, though. I believe that home is where our hope is. Wherever we put our hope, whatever we truly look for for our comfort and our joy, that is where we find home. That is where we find our joy and comfort and peace. Whatever we desire the most, that is where our hope is. So what is home for you? If home is where the hope is, where is home? What brings you the most joy? What brings you the most comfort and peace? If you're homesick, think about where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What is going to bring you that comfort? Think about it legitimately. If you were to break your leg or lose your child to cancer, if you were to lose your job and fall into massive debt, if your car were to break down on the side of the road, if you were to be thrown into jail for your faith, where do you look for your hope? What do you seek for your joy and your peace and your comfort? Where would your hope lie? In World War II, there was a Christian lady named Corey Ten Boom. She wrote, a, she wrote a great book, The Hiding Place, 15 Durhams on Kindle, Kindle version. Go check it out. She lived with her father and her older sister in a Jewish community of Amsterdam. They were a kind family. Many sought refuge to them uh, during World War II. They became very popular in an underground ring that housed and gave refuge to many Jews that were driven out of their homes by the Nazi regime. She would offer them temporary shelter and then find them housing in the Dutch countryside. She and her family helped hundreds of people find refuge. One day, however, after a tip was given to the, to the Gestapo, the Nazi officials Corrie Ten Boom's house was raided, and she and her family were arrested and imprisoned. Ten days into their imprisonment, her, her mother had already passed. Corrie's father died of an illness. From then on, Corrie and her sister Betsy were moved around to a series of prisons and concentration camps throughout Holland and Germany. Days were spent hiding from a cold drizzle under a thin blanket in an open field. From there, 1,400 women were crammed into a building designed for 400, where they spent countless, countless moments enduring the sounds of shouting, fighting, and so sobbing. Moments of forced labor and starvation. Lives were ruined because of disease and torture. It was then that Corey and Betsy Timboom knew that they had to turn to God in prayer. They decided that there was just not enough prayer going on in these camps. So they begin to lean on the verses of 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray 
without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Later that year, Betsy Tim Boom, Corey's sister, grew steadily weaker and died. But in her dying moments, proclaimed to Corey, we must tell them that there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. Corey and Betsy, even in the face of trials and death, found their home and their hope in Christ. They found their comfort and peace in him because they knew what awaited them in the future. They knew they they had a future in Jesus. But that future in Jesus also gave them hope for the present. It also gave them peace and joy and comfort in their present trials. They were able to find joy and peace during their trials because of the love of Christ in their hearts. They were able to share the word of God with the other prisoners through many different languages without fear of persecution because of their, their hope in Christ. Corey Ten Boom miraculously survived the horrors of the concentration camp. On a clerical error, she was released from the concentration camp. And upon reflecting back on the darkest days in her life, after losing her entire family and, and suffering through horrendous torture, in her book she wrote, I know that with Jesus the worst can happen, but the, the best still remains. And his light is stronger than the deepest darkness. Going home, going to be with Jesus was in the future for Corey Ten Boom. And this gave her joy to overcome the sorrow in her present trials of life. The joy of knowing what was in her ultimate future brought her joy and peace in the life that she lived then. Her hope was in Jesus. Her hope, she had a living hope in Christ. She knew that the trials in her life were temporary, that they would only last for a short while. And they paled in comparison to the eternity of knowing Jesus Christ. The inexpressible joy of a resurrected Savior would bring her. If home is where the hope is, Corey Ten Boom found home in Jesus because he was her hope. So how can we have this kind of hope in the trials that we face? Where does this living hope come from? Our text today comes from 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1 or 1 Peter 1 is written by Peter. Uh, if, if you remember, Peter was an apostle of, of Jesus Christ. He was the apostle that that, uh, that, that doubted Jesus and later denied Jesus three times, but then Jesus appeared to him and said that, Peter, you are going to be the rock. At that time, his name was Simon, and he changed his name. Like Jesus said, nope, you're not called Simon anymore. You're Peter, and on, on this rock, I will build my church. This is Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, who witnessed the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. So let's read, starting with verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the hope that Corey Ten Boom had in the concentration camp, fully believing the best was yet to come. Her hope was in the eternal glory of Christ in heaven. Think back to Job. In the life of Job, you see that after everything he lost, his family, his, his possessions, his property, he lost it all. Yet he was still able to say, God, you are greater. You give and take away. Blessed be your name. Job's hope was in the eternal glory of Jesus Christ in heaven. So what is hope? We've all heard, I hope this happens. What is hope? Hope in itself is the confident expectation that something beneficial will happen to us in the future. And I believe there are two types of hope. We see here in the text that there is a living hope. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. So naturally, I believe that there is a dying hope. Okay, so we have a living hope and a dying hope. A dying hope. A dying hope is a confident expectation that something will happen in the future, but won't last forever if it happens at all. Like, I have hope the sun will rise tomorrow. I hope that on the 25th, my bank account will, be, will have more money in it than it does now. Okay? I hope that the sickness that I have will soon pass. Yeah, I have a confident expectation that these will come to pass, but they won't last forever if they come at all. The sun is just a ball of gas. It will eventually burn out. My bank account will empty itself without any problems. Our bodies are constantly breaking down from disease and sickness with no hope on their own for restoration. A dying hope is a hope in something that cannot resurrect itself. It's a hope that cannot resurrect you or give you new life. But then there's living hope. Verse 3 and 4 says, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation to be revealed in the last time. We can confidently expect something beneficial will happen for us in the future, and it is eternal if our faith is in Christ, if our hope is in Christ. 
If we put our faith in the living Christ, we have a living hope. Since Christ was resurrected from the dead, we can also be assured that we will be resurrected with him. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Colossians 2.12 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So we're crucified with Christ and we're resurrected with Christ. In Christ, we have a living hope, a confident expectation that we will be resurrected and given a new life for eternity because what Christ has accomplished through his resurrection and the power of God. So what does having a living hope do for us? Since Jesus died and resurrected, we have a living hope for our ultimate future. There are two things that this does for us. Since Jesus died and resurrected, we have a living hope for our ultimate future. When we die, we have an ultimate future. Since Jesus is alive and reigns in heaven, we have a living hope that we will also also one day reign with Christ in heaven. God promises since we are co-heirs with Christ, since we are his children, he promises by his word to give us an inheritance that he is guarding for us in heaven to be revealed to us when we see him face to face. A promise to give us an inheritance that is imperishable. It can never be spent or brought to nothing. An inheritance that is undefiled, it will always keep its purity and perfection. An inheritance that is unfading, it will always forever be glorious. What we have in Christ is not subject to corruption or decay. It never depreciates or loses its value. It is flawless without any imperfections. The inheritance we have in Christ can never be stolen or taken away. But there's a condition for our inheritance. There's a condition for our ultimate future. There's one condition, as we learned last week, for our reconciliation to the Father. Our inheritance comes through faith. Verse 5 says, We, by God's power, are being guarded through faith. We are reconciled as we continue in faith. That inheritance God has has promised us depends on completely on our continued faith in Jesus. Our faith that Jesus is going to save us and reconcile us to the Father. If home is where our heart is, if home is where our hope is, our hope must be in Christ who forever reigns in heaven. If we are to have a living hope in our ultimate future, we must look to heaven as our home. We must look to Jesus as our home. We must look to God as our home for our comfort, joy, and peace. We must look to a heaven, a place where there's no more sickness, no more disease, no more hunger, no more poverty, no more racism, no more discrimination, no more crime and corruption, no more being taken advantage of, no more more being overworked and underpaid, no more depression, no more death, of lost ones. 
No more divorce, no more abusive relationships, no more broken families. Our inheritance in heaven, our inheritance in Christ is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, completely untouched and unstained from this sinful world, and is going to be given to us by God himself if heaven is our home, if we have a living hope in our ultimate future through the resurrection of Christ. We have a living hope in Christ for our ultimate future because God raised Christ from the dead and will also raise us from the dead to new life. Corey Ten Boom understood and valued the glory that awaited her because the eternal light of the Lamb, she had a living hope in her ultimate future. In one of the darkest periods in all of history, Corrie ten Boom, because of the spirit in her, was able to look forward to and hope in her home in heaven. And this brought her great joy and peace and comfort in her present life. And the same is true for us. What does having a living hope do for us? It gives us an ultimate future, a hope for an ultimate future. But it also gives us hope for our trials now. Because of the hope we have in our ultimate future, number two, we have a living hope during our trials now. The fact that we are children of God and co-heirs with Christ and will receive the inheritance of the Father in our ultimate future doesn't exempt us from pains and struggles and trials in this life. Contrary, it's quite the opposite. Sufferings are going to come. Trials will come. Romans 8, 17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So as Jesus was not subject or not exempt from trial and sufferings, we are not exempt from trial and sufferings as well. Let's read verse 2 again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter is addressing a group of Christians who were driven out of their homes. They were driven out of their homeland. They were scattered all over the region. Many lost their families. They had nothing but the clothes on their back, traveling for weeks or months on foot. This wasn't a pleasant experience for them. They weren't exempt from trials because of the future they had in Christ. As you know, Peter... He knew what was coming. Jesus prophesied in 21, uh, John 21, 18 through 19, it says uh, that Jesus talking to Peter says, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This was, sh- this was said to show what kind of Peter's or what kind of death Peter was going to have to glorify God. So Peter, well aware, knew his destiny, knew what was coming to him but it's still because of the future he had in Christ and the ultimate future he had in his inheritance in heaven, he was still able to glorify God. In verse 6, we say, in this, 
talking about the inheritance for us in heaven, we rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. James 5 says, be patient in your suffering. James 1, 2 says, count it all joy when you meet various trials. Romans 5, 3 says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces character or endurance, and endurance produces character. Character producing hope, and hope will not put us to shame because of the love of Jesus in our hearts. My friends, we are going to face trials in this life. We are going to experience death of loved ones. We may experience cancer and disease. We may experience the loss of jobs. We may experience unruly children. We may experience betrayal of friends and family. We may experience physical persecution because our faith in Jesus. We are not exempt from trials on this earth. We will experience sufferings until we reach our home in heaven. Until we reach the place that gives us all joy, all comfort, and all peace physically. You have to understand that this is not our home. If we are in Christ, we sung about this earlier. If, this is, if, if we are in Christ, this is just our temporary residence. Just as we are expats in this country, we are expats on earth. We are elect exiles. We see in verse 1, meaning God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. He has chosen us. He has set his covenantal affection and love upon us to be born again to a living hope in Christ, to live for Christ and to be like Christ through sanctification in the Spirit. That sanctification to become more and more like Jesus isn't an easy process, though. It doesn't come at an easy cost. It's a struggle. It's not always enjoyable. And while God is sovereign over all things, He not only allows trials to come into our lives, He not only allows pain to to enter our lives, but He ordains it to happen. Nothing in this life is random. It's, 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 It's not a coincidence that pain and trials come into our life. They are necessary. Everything that happens in our lives is for our good and God's glory. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. God is sovereign over everything, and even our trials and sufferings in this life. Regardless if you're in the deepest, darkest point in your life, as Corey Ten Boom was, Know that God is orchestrating all things together for your ultimate good and His ultimate glory. God is orchestrating all things together for your good and His glory. In in His scripture, it says that God works all things together for your good and God's glory. And what the enemy means for your harm and evil, God means it for your good. Listen to the words of Betsy and Corey Ten Boom saying, There is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. Know that with Jesus the worst can happen, but the best is still yet to come. The best still remains. His light is stronger than the deepest darkness. There is hope for you 
in the trials of this life. Know that they are only temporary for a short while. Even if it were months, or even if it were years for Corey Ten Boom, she knew that eternity in heaven was, was far greater. Why are trials necessary? In the scripture we see, or in our scripture, in our text, 1 Peter, we see two reasons. Number one, they test the genuineness of our faith. So what are we looking for? In our, or what, what hope are we looking to? Where is our home? When trials come, where is our hope found? Does our faith shift or sink in the sand? Or does it stand firm on the solid rock of Jesus? So we're being tested. Our faith is being tested to see if it is genuine in Christ, if we are looking for a dying hope or a living hope. I like to think about, as a dying hope, I like to think about quicksand or sinking sand. It looks good until you, until you take a step in it, and then you realize that you've stepped into something that's, that's captured you and, and you can't quite get out. And then we have a living hope that is, on solid, is a solid rock on Jesus. Trials are necessary because they test our obedience and faith to Christ. Number two, why are trials necessary? They refine us. In 1799, Conrad Reed discovered a 17-pound, which is about 8 kg rock, while fishing in Little Meadow Creek, North Carolina. Not knowing what it was made of, his family used it as a doorstop for three years. In 1802, his father took it to a jeweler who identified it as a lump of gold worth about 80,000 U.S. dollars in today's time. That lump of gold, which was used as a doorstop for three years, was one of the largest nuggets ever found in the eastern U.S. Until its composition was determined, its genuineness was unknown. It had to be refined, and the impurities had to be removed before the value was identified. Even so it is with our faith. God places us in the fire to test the genuineness of our faith. He tested and refined the faith of Abraham when he went to sacrifice Isaac. He tested and refined the faith of Job when he took everything away from him. He tested the faith of Jesus by sending him to the cross to make him more holy and righteous. He tested the faith of Cory Ten Boom in the concentration camp. God allows trials in our lives so he can test our faith in him and he can refine us. Not to hurt us, but to refine us, to remove the impurities, to make us more precious and more glorifying and more honoring to Jesus as we seek to put our hope in him. He tests us to see if our hope is in the cares of this world, a dying hope, sinking sand, or if our hope is to be found in the resurrected Christ, a living hope. If we put our hope or our faith in a dying hope, we will perish as gold does in the fire, even gold. But if we put our faith in the living hope of Jesus Christ, who is resurrected, even though we are tested in the fire like gold, God will use those trials to refine us, remove our impurities, and sanctify us to be more like him, which will result in more honor, more glory, and more praise for Christ Jesus. 
As we put our faith in the living hope of the resurrected Jesus during trials, it will bring him the most glory and it will bring us the most joy. As our outcome will be the salvation of our souls. As it says in verse 9. Trials are necessary because they refine us to become more like Jesus. Again, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. This is why we have a living hope even now during trials. We have a living hope because we have been crucified and we are promised that we will be resurrected with our Savior. The trials in this life are only for a short while in comparison to the eternal glory of knowing Jesus Christ. Whatever you're going through in this life, whatever trials you are suffering from or going to suffer from in the future, know this, they are temporary. They only last for a short while. There is an everlasting hope for you. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ alone. If you are in Christ... If you put your hope in Christ, you can confidently expect that you will be resurrected with Christ to receive an inheritance from God that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And as you put your faith in a living hope, fully knowing what awaits you in heaven, God will pour out His joy and His comfort and His peace on you now in your trials. He will lavish his grace and mercy upon you during the sufferings of this life if our faith is in the living hope of a resurrected Savior. We don't have to wait for heaven to find the fullness of his joy. He wants that for us now. He promises to give us joy when we put our faith in the living hope of Christ my favorite verse, when I'm lacking joy, comes from Psalm 1611, says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God wants us to experience the fullness of himself and his joy, even now here on earth, as we go through trials. This doesn't mean that he will eradicate our suffering or he will take away our pain. But he does promise to fill us with his abundant joy, peace, and comfort until the revelation of Jesus is revealed to us. Because of Christ's resurrection from the dead, we have a living hope that gives us joy now, even in our trials. As the worship team comes back up, understand two things. This Living hope is fully a work of God. As we see in the first two verses, according to the foreknowledge of the Father, meaning that God has set his love on us before the foundation of the world and gives us the Holy Spirit to sanctify us for obedience to Jesus and seals his promise to give us this inheritance with the blood of, of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. Our living hope comes from God. He is the one that causes us to be born again. As we learned last week, we were left hopeless and helpless 
before God. We were dead in our sin. So how can a dead man bring itself back to life? It takes the power of God to breathe into life, breathe new life into us. But there's our responsibility. We can have a living hope in Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, for our ultimate future, if we look for Christ as our hope and home. If home is where our hope is, where are you living? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. It is the living word of God. It gives life to the powerless. Lord, we thank you that we have an ultimate hope in you. God, we have a hope for our ultimate future in you, Lord. We can look to heaven as our home, God, and find peace and joy and comfort. And we can have that hope now, Lord, during the trials of our lives, God. Whatever we're going through, Lord, we know that you want to give us more joy and more peace as we find our home and our hope in you. God, we know that the more satisfied we are with you, the more glorified you are, God. God, and that's what will bring us the most joy, the most peace, the most comfort, Lord. God, help us to stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Help us to stand on the word, Lord, that gives us this living hope. It's not dead. It's not dying. It's not falling deeper into, into sinking sand, Lord. God, may we look to you in the, in the deepest, darkest moments of our life, Lord. May we look to you for our hope and joy. You're the only one that can resurrect us, Lord. You're the only one that can give us an ultimate future in you, God. Lord, I pray for every soul in here. God, that they come to the cross empty and broken and humble before you, knowing that you give life, you give them hope, you give them a ultimate future, and you give them hope now, Lord, in their trials. Nothing is so deep that you are not deeper still. God, your light is stronger than the, the strongest or darkest darkness. Help them to see you. Help us to see you, Lord, in your light, your glorious light, God. We want to honor and glorify you, Lord. We know that as we put our hope in you, you will reveal to us when we meet you face to face. You will reveal to us Jesus Christ, our inheritance that is imperishable, unfading, and undefiled. God, help our hearts to worship you now, Lord.
Help our hearts to submit to you, knowing that you work all things together for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.